Welcome to Reconceive with Deborah Cox and Tracy Maxfield. Over the next hour, Deborah, Tracy, and their guests will help you understand therapist burnout and how to feel better now. Listen close to bring vitality back to your practice. Now, here are Deborah and Tracy. Welcome to Reconceive. I'm Deborah. And I'm Tracy. And today we're talking about Pilates as a way to improve mental health and physical well-being. And uh, I have Pilates has a special place in my heart because I was a Pilates instructor for years. I got into it because of a back injury. I went through physical therapy. I went to the doctor. All of the answers that they were giving me seemed a bit unsatisfactory and not as helpful as I'd hoped. I started taking Pilates, and six months after that, I really had a great reduction in back pain. And that was after about two years of back pain with no satisfactory answer. So this uh, subject matter is near and dear to my heart. So you got into Pilates and then you started noticing improvements? Yes, I got into Pilates specifically to improve my pain Uh or to eliminate my pain. And after six months of doing it, my pain was pretty much gone. There was still a shadow of it. But uh, uh, after all the other things I had tried, Pilates was really the thing that helped the most. That's so cool. Well, I got into Pilates in 2010, I think, solely because I had a friend who just looked amazing. I just thought she was beautiful and so fit. And I just loved that she had such well-defined muscles and, you know, looked so good in her clothes. And I said, Jen, what do you do? You look so great. And she said, body smith, Pilates. And so, I mean, like the next week I called up and, and started going in and um, my Pilates journey, which I'll, I'll talk more about as we go along today with our guest, but I, I have discovered there was way more to discover about Pilates than, than just um, the cosmetic or the, the appearance part, the, the, um, the aesthetical, the aesthetical aesthetic. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. So our guest, um, is Richard Forrest and he is my Pilates teacher and he teaches at the body Smith here in Springfield, Missouri. And, um, Richard is also a ballet dancer and a pianist, an actor, um, and a, a political activist. And I want to give you a few more. Um, oh, and he teaches ballet. He teaches ballet to and a singer. children. And a yeah. singer. Yeah. Yeah. And he is right here with us in Springfield, Missouri today. And we are so honored. Thank you for being Thank here, you. Richard. Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this since we've been able to discuss it. Us too. And I feel like this is going to be a really fun conversation and unexpected maybe for our listeners who don't do Pilates and maybe don't even know what it is, much less how it can help them. Sure. So um, again, we we have had this um, series of episodes on how practitioners, whether they're physicians or nurses or psychologists or counselors, teachers, anybody who's in a helping role can take better care of themselves and thus do better work. 
And so this episode on Pilates as mental health and Pilates as psychotherapy is right in the vein. It's it's just another um, conversation about ways that um, not only our clients can improve through a, a, a methodology that we may not have explored, but also how we as helpers can be better, feel better, work better. So... Yeah. Yeah. So Richard, tell us a little bit about your Pilates story before we get into the meat of this. Yeah, let's see. Um, I started Pilates. I had had an idea of what it kind of was when I was younger. I had been taught um, Pilates in mat style. What a lot of people come to, a lot of my clients come to me, they're like, well, I've done a couple mat classes, so I'm not sure if that's it. And that is it. But um, the, the fuller idea, like you mentioned, like that there's a deeper side and also the benefit comes with consistency uh came to me later uh when i was in my official ballet training i was mm. training in mm. oregon uh, and i had been offered a spot out there after i left my musical theater degree my sophomore year that's why i left they had offered me a spot mm. uh, so that was a big change and part of our um, perfunctory education was consistent Pilates instruction. And then I did private Pilates instruction with that instructor. So mm -hmm. that was when my, I came to, and I always say this too, that people come to Pilates from a lot of different directions, but the reason it works is because it is a pure and sound idea that perspectives bring and bring enhancement to, but it's already its own thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's like ballet to me in that way where it's, a set thing and then mm -hmm. you be creative around it but ultimately mm -hmm. you're learning a vocabulary and you're creating fluency through a spectrum of ideas okay so when i came to that i didn't i didn't understand that for a long long time so i was uh the thing that kept me from understanding um pilates at first in the way that i really needed to and could have helped me earlier on was that i was too anxious to to accept either the idea of settling into it or even just that I wasn't doing something correctly, like how I was naturally doing something wasn't the right way. It took me some emotional searching to, to find mm -hmm. the, the stillness that is required. So that's mm -hmm. another way, like right off the bat, it was already therapy to me because I was having to do, mm -hmm. I was starting my psychotherapy journey at that time as well. So mm -hmm. I was trying to learn centering and, was having trouble so then what pilates asks for the most is centering and then you figure it out later so it's like coming the other way uh eventually did help me so uh after i left oregon and i moved to new york city i was i had trained there and i took pilates uh specifically that's geared toward dancers and from a few different techniques and different instructors and then when i came back to missouri state to finish my secondary uh, to finish a second degree as well as my initial BFA in musical theater. Uh, I was taking the word Pilates and we were, uh, we were very fortunate to have gotten some dance, uh, dance faculty at Missouri state in the theater and dance department that really understood the benefit of Pilates and uh, has the same analytical definitional mind defining mind that I have, which helps me understand something fully. So through that, uh, my friend that was also the teacher uh, just 
who is also a, a works at the body smith at the same studio i started at um that i trust and so it was a dance mentor and friendship that then when they when she said i think you'll be really good at this and it'd be a really good fit for you and you'll make money doing it that was kind of the thing where i was like oh that makes a natural extension so then i came to it and i was doing my trainings and i did all the right things in order um but then covid happened <laughs> so uh i was i had just finished the all of my you take a bunch of courses you know, like intensive courses where you learn and then you have over 750 hours of observation and teaching and personal practice and all these things that you have to document but i was in lockdown for all of that so my Pilates journey uh was different than others i think in a way that i had to do it alone essentially uh in my head i had to do oh. it um by myself and i had videos and teaching but i wasn't near people i didn't have um i didn't have the breadth of options so i had to just figure it out and that was really useful for me and it helped me kind of gain an intuitive knowledge that i was also able to really bring from ballet and then that brings us up so then after post i guess it was in the middle of lockdown but post lockdown we were still considered a gym we couldn't work out because it was still a little too rampant mm -hmm. so that's when i started with you deborah you started taking my online mat class yeah i remember which was um you know an experience for me too that was the first time i taught online mm -hmm. trying to teach people that i didn't really know and being mm -hmm. like you guys understand what i'm saying mm -hmm. uh also when you're just doing stuff at home and you're like, I'm going to use these pillows as my prop. Why don't you guys grab some pillows? Do you remember when right, I'd be like, I use do. a pillow, yeah. get a towel. <laughs> yeah. Everyone grab a weight. It could be a can of beans or a gallon. Uh -huh. or whatever. Yeah, right. So we would just figure that out. So then through that, I always, so kind of summing that up, I came from the dance world and I always wanted to enhance my intrinsic knowledge and dancing is an external art form. Mm -hmm. It's not an internal decision necessarily that you're making per second so um it's it, it seems like to other people it kind of seems like a swerve sometimes for a dancer to kind of go toward pilates or a movement practice of some sort because it's not dancing it's different uh but i found just through all my myriad things i do and my skills and my passions of like doing musical theater and gathering all those and doing a bunch of even though i don't play piano professionally as much anymore i still practice as if i do i still practice as if i'm training for concerts and stuff so i think that anything that gives me a focused idea to build and i can progress on the idea of progressive technique of consistently building rather than achieving and finishing uh, yeah. was really useful for me and has helped me kind of through the transition of my covid brain which also just happened to happen and occur during my Saturn returns when I was already in a bunch of emotional turmoil and right. yeah. a big life transition into my thirties. I was mm -hmm. 29 when, when we went into COVID. So it's just like yeah. a lot of transition happened and I found Pilates helped me in a different way than I ever could have conceived starting it so long ago, you know? Yes. I, and, and I resonate so much with that last thing you said, because like I was saying earlier, I started for the aesthetic of, Right. what people look like who do Pilates. And then what I discovered studying with you is that there was this whole 
mental health benefit and this whole cognitive um, focus benefit that I began to think of my body completely differently. So, so let me just take you back for a second. Um, What exactly, can you give us a definition of Pilates and, and tell us how it's practiced? Yeah. Uh, that's a good descriptor. Whenever I'm introducing a new client, maybe just call them introductory sessions. Um, my first question that I ask after I introduce myself and talk to them about their health sheet and things and what I, I can start building my plan. My first question is always, what is your concept of Pilates? Because everyone comes out with a different sense. And some people have no idea. They've just seen people doing it in a movie or something, you know, uh, or you have people that have say I've been doing Pilates for 20 years, but I'm not still not sure of what I know. And I'm like, well, if you've done it for 20 years, you know it. So it's the idea. And I say a lot of these are going to be my buzzwords and like how I say things, but I consistently say them because I still think that's part of defining is a really big part of our lives. So I say Pilates in layman's terms is to help us stand better, walk better and feel better. Hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's a type of movement that isn't supposed to create aesthetics. It's supposed to make us feel better and it's supposed to help us be stationary better. And it's supposed to help us do the most basic function of being an upright bipedal creature, which is walking forward. Yeah. So the other thing I think of, I always think of the three eyes. Pilates is about intelligent movement, intentional movement and intuitive movement. Mm -hmm. Intelligent, intentional, intelligent movement, intentional movement, and intuitive. intuitive movement and that's what we're building and i kind of think of that as a triangle sometimes too mm-hmm. where it's or you know and there are emotional things too that's always the joke in new york you can either have a really there's there's housing there's career and there's relationships and you can have two of one but the third one's always awry <laughs> so <laughs> i think that uh happens in pilates so you have people that can come in and are really intuitive but don't have haven't been taught the ways or don't haven't been shown and aren't doing the intentional work those are what i would call good movers and then you have people that are coming in and are really scientifically minded and are really intelligent and can really do intentional work but they're not intuitive you have to show them and really really show them Mm -hmm. some people are the opposite where they're really intentional and they really want to do it well and they have a good sense but they're just not they just like sometimes you have to do the segmenting is, uh, I think that's one of the good things. Pilates is a boutique way for each person to assess where they are physically mm. is another way to put it. So, so, so Tracy, I, I know you teach Pilates as well, and you have a different style of teaching. How does that square with the way you think of what Pilates is? Well, I love the three eyes, and I notice when Richard teaches that he uses a lot of imagery. That should be order. a fourth eye. <laughs> but I think you use it, or it seems to me the best thing to use it for is to help those people who aren't very intuitive movers. Mm-hmm. So I see you using, or I hear you using a lot of imagery, which I think is beautiful because it is subjective enough that they really have to listen to themselves Mm -hmm. and really connect with their intuition Mm -hmm. yeah like he says corset tighten your corset yeah yeah. that's all the muscles that you would be squeezing in right 
yeah, people yeah. people understand that and it makes them become more intuitive. I love the idea of progressive improvement. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I focus when I teach very much on reducing effort and becoming more sensitive. But Richard teaches a lot more than I, and he incorporates, when I watch him teach, a lot of different aspects, like really challenging people's endurance, uh, 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 using a lot of imagery so they do get in touch with their intuitive side, and using their intention. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's a great thing to use when you're teaching movement, because you know, the closest thing to a mistake there is, is when your action doesn't match your intention. Yeah. But Richard is fantastic at helping people have their action match their intention. Mm -hmm. I like that. Mm -hmm. And I think imagery is a tool of that. I do. Uh, of those three, I think intentional movement, intention at all is some of the hardest, one of the hardest things to do. Um because it encompasses more than just doing something on purpose. It encompasses fluency. So trying to create fluency and then fluently recreating an idea. Mm -hmm. So it's that's the hardest one I find for Western-minded adult humans. Yeah. Um, so, so fluency, you've used that word a couple of times. And yeah. what I think of there is you're getting a new vocabulary about your body and about movement and so just learning to associate those words with. Sure. Yeah. And it takes me back to like some of the, and that's a, that's an, a ballet idea that I was taught by my, um, by some really great teachers that I was instructed by. It is, it's that idea of, well, repeat your question again for me. Well, we, when you talk about fluency. Fluency. Sorry. Yes. So that idea, that's kind of the buzzword. You can speak a language without being fluent in it. Like I can stumble okay. through Spanish, but you are way closer to fluent than I am because you've been practicing, <laughs> but also you have an understanding. There's a, there's a sense of having figured it out. Not that oh. the puzzle is over, but you're not just doing rote vocabulary anymore. You're not just doing fluency comes with the idea of full understanding. Okay. And can we gain more fluency? Yes. Just like, we're fluent in English, but could our English be better? Could we become more fluent in English? Yeah, exactly. Of course. Yeah. So it's that idea where, again, fluency comes with intention. You have to intentionally choose to be fluent in something. Mm -hmm. But so to me, there's also the idea of fluency creates um, discipline. I don't know. When you're able to define something mm -hmm. and you know what it is, it's much easier to require that of yourself to create a standard. Mm -hmm. And imagine and think, it too. And I imagine mean, it. And we talk a, a lot about um, neural movement and Anat Danielle and and your work, Tracy, with movement lessons and and how this slow, deliberate movement with attention creates a better map in your brain of your right. body. And I guess I kind of hear fluency in the same way. Yeah, exactly. I would say. Yeah, absolutely. And and you could describe it in, in dance terms. When you learn choreography, the movement feels different once you make it your own. Right. And once you, or to use a word you like to use a lot, which I love, it, it, when it becomes embodied. Ooh. 
Mm. And I think that's when you become more fluent or have more fluency is when the movement becomes embodied. Because initially people, when they come to Pilates, they're learning the vocabulary. It's a bit superficial. But as they do what Richard describes as progressive improvement, Mm -hmm. you know, that the 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 movements of Pilates become more embodied and that fluency grows and grows and grows, especially if you have a, a great teacher who knows how to help you continue to improve. Mm-hmm. So and that improvement can be a lifelong process. Yeah. That makes me think of and it doesn't have to be about ballet, but I do I find a lot of correlation between the two, even though they're not the same and they're not going for the same goal but again intention ballet is just pilates through a very specific lens of technique and focus Mm -hmm. it's just using a specific set of where i tell that to my ballet students that when we're learning ballet especially classical ballet we are learning a dialect or an accent of movement so it's it's a dialect you learn and perfect and and so in that one, we're just trying to be our fanciest, most clear and pure dialect. And then in, in Pilates, I think we're, we don't need, it's, it becomes even less necessary to vocalize a certain idea. So there are two things I've thought about of these last couple of things that we've talked about. Um, the good thing about that I find with imagery and also kind of creating encompassing ideas is the same thing I learned when I was learning pedagogy for ballet that the reason we define these things and need a vocabulary and you know we we need a nomenclature for an activity because everyone has to understand what's going on the good thing about that and the weird thing about dance is that we can encompass very advanced complicated movements that are multifaceted are using every part of our body um all in one when you say ronde jambe it's not just doing a circle of the leg it's also like you're doing everything else in accordance to create ronde jambe so we use that in pilates and that's where when you say the corset it is an over-encompassing idea it is mm-hmm. a way for for us to all especially once you learn and once you're learning my vocabulary and how i teach it's that idea of we can all reassess and you understand all the disparate elements that create the corset or yeah yeah or stability or heaviness you know all those uh-huh. ideas yeah and yeah, the other one that oh go ahead i'm sorry it just it, it encompasses a lot of little things when you say yeah the corset. well yeah. and i think that's what the hu- like i think legitimately that's what the human brain is made for is to create order out of patterns mm. and you do mm-hmm. that by memorizing patterns so the more we can memorize and we can talk about that later that like spinning plate idea that comes later the other one that that made me think of specifically when we were talking about dance and that, but then how it gets into what Pilates teaches us and how it can affect us in the outside world is that, uh, is the idea of a plome, a P L O M B the French word and ballet. It's defined as the, the idea of a dancer being fully confident in themselves, fully confident in the movement and fully confident in the presentation. Mm-hmm. And I think, that in our lives again fluency is that it creates a plum and i think that i've seen in pilates this ability to create awareness beyond what we were 
we conceived as awareness. Yes. It lets you go further than the idea of what we're, what we're bound to in our literal thinking brain. Right. Our map gets bigger. Right. Yeah. It it comes to incorporate more than we thought was there for us to know. It also reminds me of one of my the most formative things I ever learned from my ballet master uh, was the idea of what is movement, what creates movement. And the answer always comes back to thought. The only thing that creates movement is thinking about movement. Otherwise, you're just laying there. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So to move, you have to think about it. You have to mm-hmm. do it. You have to understand. And then you have to be able to... So like any mobile person that's moving any part of their body is at least doing that. They can at least think about movement. And then we're just hardwiring their brain for more detail. Yeah. So when we come back after the break, we're going to talk a little bit about trauma. And you might think trauma is a funny thing to bring up in a conversation about Pilates. Aren't we talking about a workout? Why are we suddenly talking about um negative life experiences, but I want us to um, define trauma kind of broadly, like we have when we've talked before about how trauma affects the body and and trauma comes into the Pilates studio as well. So um, we'll we'll be asking some questions about both big T trauma and little t trauma and how trauma lives in our culture and how our bodies are affected by that. And then what happens in Pilates um, when we're, when we're getting trained in Pilates and how does that counter trauma? And I, I love how you talk about thought and movement go hand in hand, but also emotions, mm-hmm. emotions are always a part of movement as well. So mm-hmm. I think that's one of the reasons, uh, movement is so helpful for treating trauma. Yeah. Okay. We'll be back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Burnout takes a toll on your effectiveness with clients, patients, and students, even your kids. Reconceive brings help for all the gifted helpers out there who want to make a difference, but first need to feel better, more awake, and more creative. Deborah Cox and Tracy Maxfield show you a whole new way to think about mental health and the body offering insight and inspiration to help bring back the vibrancy and joy to your work in the world. If you teach, do therapy, or provide any kind of human service, it's time to reconceive. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. 
Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You're listening to Reconceive with Deborah Cox and Tracy Maxfield. Check out all our other episodes on demand. Now back to Reconceive. Welcome back to Reconceive. Tracy and I are here with Richard Forrest, Pilates teacher, ballet dancer, performer, and we are talking about all of the mental health benefits of Pilates, which are both in store for um, people who are working out and learning Pilates and also mental health people who are taking themselves um, to learn Pilates and sending their clients. So I want to ask about trauma. Um, How does trauma affect the body and affect movement? It's a complicated question because it's a complicated answer. Yeah. I think it's a big question. um, uh, I think the best way to start with that would just be to say some of the things, like the ways that I see how people have not dealt with trauma when they come into me. I think that will lead us into the ideas. So when people come in, we make them fill out a, a sheet of like, have you had surgeries? What's wrong with you? Are you diagnosed with some of these things? And it's physical and also me- like things internally and externally that we need to know. Uh, for women, that can also be how did you have, if you if you've, if you've had labor and you've born a child, how did you do it? Was it natural or was it a cesarean or did did you have help afterward or whatever? So I think there's that idea. And I always remind people that you this work will bring up memories you forgot that you forgot. Oh, <laughs> um, okay. Because then four weeks in, someone will be like, oh, that kind of hurts. I'll be like, oh, and we'll try to adjust. And I, we'll say, why does it hurt? And Oh yeah, I actually dislocated that shoulder four times, or I broke my, mm-hmm. I broke my arm mm-hmm. when I was thirteen. Mm-hmm. It was completely shattered, and it's like, well, did, why didn't you tell me that? It's also the idea because our body releases hormones to help us forget physical trauma as well as emotional. We literally are made to forget traumatic experiences. That's why some it, people have more than one child. Yeah, like yeah, mm-hmm. that's why women. Yeah, your body creates the most hormones to help you forget how awful it was and how (laughs) how hard it was and how Mm -hmm. stressed out your body was it's those ideas like we have to do that as a as a defense mechanism which is where i think trauma affects the pilates work the most is it creates defenses both physically and emotional barriers and mental barriers but um I always consider trauma no matter what and there and we've talked I'm sure you talked on here about big T trauma and little T trauma mm-hmm. and there is those things I call some of those are hurdles and some of those are detractions so a hurdle is a big T trauma like I had a car accident or I had a child or yeah. or, or you know for some of sometimes the elderly clients the big T trauma is just getting older uh-huh. which is you know an emotional run around for Mm -hmm. for the brain itself yeah sometimes the most traumatic thing is just aging but 
so those ideas of those are a hurdle. Those are something we have to work around or someone has rotator cuff issues or torn something. Well, two of my clients this morning don't have either ACL. So when we work around those things, those are hurdles that you can't move. They're just there. But that doesn't mean your body doesn't learn to work with them and also when we're doing it once because that's where sometimes when your body is just dealing with a traumatic injury it's just doing the best it can to get along with the demands that we're asking of it our thought of what we need to do how is that affecting what is possible so in other words we adapt we we are we do adaptations to the trauma the change the way we move okay and that's so evident and, you know, um, uh, it, it, when you see people having had issues and there's also those ones, I'm sorry, we don't, so yes, it's that idea of like, there's a big trauma and you can see the results. And even if it's not visible to other people, to me, I can see that because my mastery lies in understanding the myriad ways, because it is a limited number, even though there's a lot of ways the body moves and how it relates to each other. So then you have the little t trauma, like those things that, because I tell people all the time, life is traumatic on our bodies. Concrete is hard on our feet. Our Western culture keeps us hunched over and texting, driving, Mm -hmm. living. Breasts are heavy for women, like little t traumas. Men are top heavy, or we have a proclivity to gather weight in our midsection. Yeah. That creates the like beer belly idea. Yeah, it's it's also because we're missing organs. We're not missing. We just don't have same organs as women do yeah but our bodies are made to carry the weight in different places so those little t traumas are detractions so i'm either thinking when i think and this is a really dumbed down filtered version of it not dumbed but filtered version is something that's stopping from someone from doing a physical work or something we're needing to be conscious of especially if i'm thinking about what's next for them is it a hurdle that we need to learn to work with and around that will be there or is this something that's like a meter? So if you have a detraction, you're, ben- you're beneath neutral. Sometimes people are so over tense or have had a, a trauma that causes something else to go above the needle. So, so much of Pilates work is just trying to figure out where is the middle at all. And then the advanced work becomes consistently creating middle against what wants to fight it. Mm. Does that make sense? It makes sense from my own experience of working with you and thinking about hip flexors. I don't know if you remember, but for a couple of years, we were talking about hip flexors. Right. Um, and I had this idea of hip flexors as something metal steel that was in a fixed position. Right. And then gradually as we were working, I mean, I, th- I think that was leading to pain for me. And right. it was, sure. so, so many things that we did, I would say, you know, I was sore from that or I, I can't mm-hmm. do that. And then my concept of hip flexor, I remember when it turned from metal into jute. <laughs> That's <laughs> a good thinking, descriptor. Oh, it's, it's a flexible thing. It's a thing that moves. It's supposed to move. And that, you know, relates directly to little T trauma of being raised as a good girl in a very um, kind of repressive society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel that being raised gay in a, yeah. in a Southern religious family Uh and regardless of how that's and that's the thing 
another i actually feel i spend a lot of my time trying to help people emotionally approach what we're doing physically and they don't necessarily get that there's a connection at first but i think sometimes that's the mark of a good teacher is they don't show you what you're doing mm -hmm. they mm -hmm. teach you what you're doing and you figure it out later yeah um so and i so one of the main things i always say is i'm not feeling it for i'm not i can't get in there and do it for you so you have to update my update me but also this is where it's like i'm only telling you what i can experience or what i see and in my case i've worked a lot and a long long time to be able to uh into energetically intuitively feel what's going on but there's that idea but also when people find and what you're just saying like when you realize that the hip flexion isn't isn't static it's mobile mm -hmm. or that there is more to the idea than what i thought or maybe just my perspective of the idea wasn't quite mm -hmm. the most conducive or efficient way to do it yeah. i try to tell people always that everything up until until now hasn't been wasted time there has been no waste you didn't right. do anything wrong yeah. and that's where i tell people i tell any student I, that reaches me i try to tell them what i wish i would have known or what people couldn't make me understand and that was one of them where i just could not understand that that it wasn't i hadn't wasted all my time and i hadn't been doing it incorrectly and that it wasn't it was not worth having done where in reality it's like all of that just led you to this moment and it doesn't matter that if it wasn't this intentional You've still been doing the movement. Have you died yet? No, not if you're talking to me. Mm -hmm. Broken ankle, any blood? Nope. Okay, good. We're safe. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay for yeah. it to have been one idea and then a different one. And I think mm -hmm. coming back from my trauma and dealing with that consistently in my own psychotherapy ID journey, like I said, is um, it's how I find I deal with trauma too. It's like the path, this beforehand wasn't wrong. Trauma occurs. And then I think what gets sent awry and what our body can mirror and show us also is that our body remembers trauma. Your brain remembers trauma, mm -hmm. even if you're not aware of it, our body knows. So I think that there's a lot of, again, that idea of everyone's able to come to it from their own perspective and their past. And then there has to be room for change there has to be room for there to be a change there has to be at least the thought which was something i couldn't do i was really really bad when i was first starting pilates and i almost ruined my ballet career because i couldn't take it outside of personal critique like if it's not right i was doing it incorrectly and i was being poor so i really try to do that thing i tell my dance students that a lot too like you're not doing anything wrong no one's wrong do not mm -hmm. take it as critique. Yeah, yeah. I've heard you say that so many times. Nothing's gone wrong here. Nothing's it's okay. Wrong. You. This is how it was. This is. This is just life. This is hmm. the way you've been holding yourself, carrying yourself, and now we're introducing a new bit of information. Right. And once we get into that idea of being centered and new age philosophy of like trying to be in the moment, it's just that idea of saying, okay, well that was, and this is, so let's do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we don't yeah. even do what it will be, then we can't do, we can't pre-do reps. You're just doing what you are. Yeah. I love how you validate people's past experiences mm -hmm. as leading them to that point. Yeah. And uh, also how you, 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 you say that, you know, 
what you did is not wrong because in reality it's just a variation it's just a so it provides their brain with new information so for you tracy how does trauma affect the body and the way we move it well if you if you read uh, stephen porges's work about polyvagal theory he says that many people are stuck in a state of freeze and you said that movement contradicts freezing so movement automatically is a way to bring people get help people move out of a biobehavioral state of defense mm -hmm. so the immediate benefits of movement are mood enhancement and that's that's pretty much across the board no matter what movement you do your mood improves after you do it or even while you're doing it. so the, yeah. there's tons of benefits beyond that but just the mood improvement like my dad's taken pilates for years some days he doesn't want to go but he always goes and when he's dead he always feels better yeah it's automatic <laughs> mm -hmm. showing up is the hardest part that's yeah exactly a mantra i live by if you can show up you're good you're golden show it getting the discipline and the commitment of getting there is the hardest part because once you're there you're like wow feel great feel better yeah yes. no one doesn't want to do the workout they just don't like the process of getting to the workout getting there. but that also reminds me of something you learn in the very beginnings of theater 101 what was the first artistic form and people are always like well it was theater or music but it's not it was dance movement dance was the first form of communication we didn't have speech we didn't have art but we moved and we did it ritualistically you did it together you did it as a personal activity as an interconnected activity so i think that there's something in that too of like movement is the most basic form of our before like what's the first thing we can do as humans is move <laughs> you can make sound you can vocalize you can see you can touch you can do those things but that doesn't mean anything but movement you do immediately and you can know and even yeah, like, as you're vocalizing as an infant, you're moving. Yeah. And they tie on. together. Yeah. Yeah. So I think yeah, the, the three things dance, music, and singing, you, you know, emotions are multi dimensional. So dance, uh, music, and song are better ways of communicating or revealing somebody's emotional state. Words are of oftentimes inadequate right which, which is, is one of the reasons as as you do a pilates class especially with a teacher like richard who gives a multi-dimensional cueing emotions come to the surface and you know yeah. steve uh, peter levine says you have to feel to heal mm -hmm. so that's another big benefit of doing pilates that, I'm so glad you said that. I, I actually did a, a quick literature search this morning, and I found um, more than one study, but one that I'm going to cite. This is by Fleming and Herring, um, The Effects of Pilates on Mental Health Outcomes, uh, a Meta-Analysis of Controlled Trials. So this is published um, in April 20 of 2018, um, Contemporary Therapies in Medicine. And basically, so, so what they did was they summarized a whole bunch of 
experimental or quasi-experimental studies, and they found that Pilates resulted in significant large heterogeneous reductions in depressive and anxiety symptoms and feelings of fatigue and increases in feelings of energy. So, so this has been actually documented. It's, it's, it's been validated that, you know, your, your dad's feeling better after class for a reason. There's, and if you need proof, come on in. Yeah, <laughs> we'll prove it to you. You'll right. Be better too. Right. Exactly. That when, when I watch Re- Richard teach, he pushes people to the limit and that creates mitochondrial genesis. You can increase your mitochondria by 50% you increase your endurance and you automatically feel more vital and more potent and as if you could take on the world. Wow. I also think, and again, these are just drawing me into ideas that I have fleshed out, but maybe not even vocally or vocalized through definition, but that idea of um, the, the body wants to work well our body is self-replicating, self-rejuvenating. It literally makes itself new. Mm. And Pilates is a way for us to see that in a microcosm of mm. information and shrink the universe down to just a specific moment or a movement or or the three things that are engaging that will create the movement. Yeah, it's, a, it's that internal work where the body wants to work well. It wants to do it. The emotions, I think, too. Want, the brain wants to work well. Mm-hmm. Depression, anxiety, all those I things, especially when we get into the idea of like the, the hormonal imbalance and just the reuptakes and all the things that have to go. It's, it is a little crazy, or I would not even crazy. It just seems a little presumptuous for medicine practice to kind of not take this stuff as seriously because... Uh-huh. movement is one of the legitimate ways we create hormones your body doesn't do it until there's a change like the body releases hormones because it needs to make a change mm-hmm. if you never do anything that requires a change it won't do it mm-hmm. there's just no way and movement is how we learn you're always saying that yeah. right the main the main information that goes to our brains is from our muscular system mm-hmm. so it's yeah. it's a it's the best form of self-improvement. That's a quote from Moshe Feldenkrais. But there there are two things. So one, that change that you felt from your hip flexors going from metal to jute, mm-hmm. that perception of a difference gave your brain a huge upgrade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it also made you much more aware of that part of your body. Yeah. And a lot of times pain comes from the parts of your body that you are unaware of or that you don't have clearly mapped within your brain. But you've worked with, so that's one thing. That's That's a a great way. So a realization of a difference like that is, you know, lighting up your brain, your brain's having a party. Mm -hmm. But one thing we haven't touched on, and you've worked with Richard for a long time is, the relational aspect of Pilates. And I see this at the body Smith all the time where the relationship between the student and the teacher also has a, a very strong healing component. Yes. Yes, it does. I haven't thought about that, but that's true. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it's like you're modeling something. And over time, the, the student comes to trust what's being modeled and feel safety uh, and relaxation. And then it translates into our lives. Like as a practicing psychologist, I'm sitting in a chair a lot during my workday. And that's, as you all know, that's the bane of my existence right now. But I remember starting to take Richard's words and ideas into the room with me and sitting there in my chair and feeling how I can right here affect change in my hip flexors and feeling them move, feeling them soften. Um, so, and then that translated into less pain. And so I have this very positive transference. <laughs> so, Richard. I also say um, within that, that, uh, that is the idea of fluency right there. Well, I just dropped my thought, but when you're thinking about that idea of that change that you make and take out with you, I think is the essence of, of the work. Because emotionally, we have to say, oh, I'm sorry, that's where I'm, I keep on drawing a lot. I'm in the mind cloud right now with you all, and I'm, it's been inspired. But the words I say when people figure it out, one of my favorite ones is, that's available to us all the time. Yes. Just like emotionally, like once you figure out how to emotionally center yourself and or meditate in the moment or be in the moment or whatever, once you do your progress and you do the work, it's available to us all the time. Mm -hmm. that way of being that type of hip flexion that release the people that are like my shoulders are always up and you're like yeah let's mm -hmm. work on just putting them down mm -hmm. every time you realize that is a chance for you to alter your brain's conception of your being in space you're taking up space yeah which is so, so profound when you think about the the clients that a psychotherapist sees um that is such a profound level of change that that could be happening for them mm -hmm. and helping them become more connected with their bodies, which is going to produce a kind of grounding or embodiment. But but we as practitioners also need to think about the benefit that that is going to have for us as we sit in the room with people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. It, it's really I, yeah, I feel inspired by my clients a lot, or just any of my students. I feel uh, that I, because I think it's really inspiring to watch people figure things out, especially, and I, and that's what my, we always joke, like, what, what I need to have some of my catchphrases put on shirts. And the one mm -hmm. I say the most, I guarantee, is either <laughs> release your hips, lengthen your hips. It's either mm -hmm. that, or um, I'm not a wizard. I didn't make yeah. that happen. Yeah. When those Why things do you say like, that one? You did it. You, uh, you created the change i'm a guide i know the way up the mountain i know every way up this mountain i know every back way up the mountain <laughs> so i'm just here to guide but ultimately you are doing the work you when you commit and do it intentionally and commit yourself to create intelligence there mm -hmm. it just it falls into place because what else could it do and when you're saying that, what you're wanting us to notice about ourselves is that we have the agency you're you're providing a um, a model, a template, new ideas, new information, but then, but then it's us that's actually doing it. We're, we are empowered. Right. And that's where, and I, I, I think that that just for people that if you're going to go try Pilates, 
uh, look for, uh, make sure the teacher isn't self-aggrandizing where I tell people it's not my success is never, if you find a teacher that wants to tell you that your success is theirs or because of them run, it's not it. Um, and also just find someone that is willing to do the quiet work. It's really easy. It's really easy to just go do a workout, but that's not what you're doing. That's not what it's for. It's, it is, it's for change and alteration. And that comes with introspection, which is why I think that there is such a correlation that we can talk for an hour about mm -hmm. just these two ideas and how they're similar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The other thing I noticed when I talked, watch you teach, and I, I did the same when I was teaching is, uh, uh, we live in a touch deprived society and a lot of times good Pilates teachers will touch their clients in a way that's informative, comforting, creates a greater connection. Mm -hmm. So when I see the teachers teaching that touch in a way that is kind and not startling to their client, I know that that has incredible benefits for their emotional state as well. Sure. It does. And that's maybe a hidden a hidden part of this. We don't really fully acknowledge the the impact and how powerful that is in the moment. A good teacher will listen to you. They'll touch you in a way that feels good. They'll they'll communicate to you in a way that uses their voice to make you feel safe and mm -hmm. Everything about when I watch Richard teach makes their clients feel safe. Mm -hmm. They may feel challenged. I mean, physically challenged, like they may think, <laughs> I'm not sure I can do that. But then most of the time they do it and it gives, it increases that sense of agency. Uh -huh. Yeah, it really does. And I'll tack on at the end here. It's a meditation because you can't be thinking about anything else while you're doing right. Pilates class. You're just right there. So I know we have to stop here. We are totally out of time. Thank you, Richard. Yes, of course. We'll have I'm, so, I'm so grateful for uh, a chance to articulate to myself. So thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being here. Write to us um, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Reconceive. We hope you've learned something today you can use to reconnect and feel better. Tune in next week for more on transforming practice. Until then, have a great week.